Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. This is a wonderful, wonderful time of year, not just because we're 11 days from the start of the NBA season, but because this is the time of year where we get to talk about what other people are doing. And I'm not just shouting into the void, assuming somebody's listening out there or maybe just sort of anger listening. This is the time of the year where we get to talk about the industry nine cat mock. I try to get one of these going a few weeks before every season and then get the analysts on to break down their teams and maybe drop in a little Easter egg sleeper type thing at the end. Maybe. Who knows? You'll have to hang out to uh, to find out. Um, but this is a really, I mean, again, like the fact that I actually get to talk to other people right now is such a nice luxury for me that I don't wake up in the morning and my voice is toast. That's part of it. But also uh, the thoughts echoing around inside my own head. That's, that's a devastating place to be night and day. And today we get the process started with a fellow Dan, a thunderous version of one, Thunder Dan Palio. What's up, dude? It's so good to have you back. Yo, it's great to be here, man. I always love coming on and with you and shooting the breeze, talking some NBA. Um, dropped everything, and I'm ready to do it. Let's go for it. Let's go. You uh, are clad in NFL attire, Steelers colors yeah. through and through over there. I take it you're a Steelers yeah. fan? Yeah, Steelers fan, um, but not a delusional one because they might be the worst <laughs> three and two football team in the history of the NFL. Um, and they're in first place, like for now, because they had a bye this week, but uh, they're bad. They're not good. So, uh, I mean, I support them anyways because I have all this. My sister got me a gift card for my birthday for the NFL store. So I like bought a bunch of stuff, but whatever. I like, I should be wearing my Cavs stuff. I just didn't have, didn't have time to plan my wardrobe accordingly but um yeah i'm a big for basketball i'm a big nba fan um uh, cleveland cavaliers cleveland no, cavaliers um, um what, well before we before we dive into your mock what are your thoughts on the Cavs right now they added some shooting this offseason but that was kind of it yeah they didn't do anything real splashy uh max Struess is a nice piece um i'm still convinced that they need to bring in like a third amigo i mean Evan Mobley's maybe that guy, maybe he's not, but like, uh, you know, with Darius and Donovan, it would love to see them have like another. Th- I mean, they're kind of empty spot is the on the wing. I think they think Struce is going to help there, but he's just real. I just see him as like a supporting cast guy. He's not like, you know, going to really tip the scales. So we'll see. I, I there was some talk in the offseason of like Jared Allen for like Brandon Ingram, something like that would be like really compelling to me, like another scorer, another facilitator. But then they don't they lose some of their size too. Their their twin towers kind of things. A neat thing that they do that a lot of teams don't do. So I don't know. I guess we'll see how they start out the year without Allen for a couple weeks. And I think they're gonna be good. I think they make the playoffs. They're probably gonna have a top four seed, but how deep they go really you know, depends on if they if they add another piece or if they really can all stay healthy and gel and so yeah expectations are a little muted. I mean, I think they'll be really good. I don't think they're in the same class as you know, Milwaukee or probably even Boston right now. So. Yeah, it's a little little top-heavy. Well, at least from a fantasy standpoint, if Allen misses a week or two, that's always been good for Mobley. Um, yeah. By the way, you can follow Dan on Twitter, at ThunderDanDFS. That's an easy one to remember. ThunderDanDFS on the Twitters. 
Let's, uh, oh, first of all, hi. I don't know if I actually said hello to anyone. I'm Dan Vesperus. This is Fantasy NBA Today, a sports ethos presentation. You can find me on social media at Dan Vesperus. Please do. However, you're taking this in YouTube live, after the fact, podcast, whatever, rate, like, subscribe. You guys know the drill by now. Those that are watching with us can see me pull uh, a chunk of the mock draft results up on the board. I tried to kind of zoom in as much as I could so you could see very clearly my own team. Also, Dan Palio's team, a couple slots uh, to the left of mine on your screen. Dan, you had the number five pick. Uh, I'm going to go through your picks from top to bottom. I left the 12th round off because I think about half of the league had sort of closed their eyes, and, and myself included, by the way, fallen asleep. <laughs> um Actually, I kind of fell asleep in the 11th because once it got to the weekend and I'm like chasing kids from birthday party to birthday party, yeah. I don't know what the hell I'm doing with my my slow mock. Uh, yeah. But uh, top 10 or 11 for you, Dan. Shea, you got at the five spot. That's a nice way to start. Cat in the second round. Freddie Van Vliet in the third. Chet Holmgren in the fourth. Brandon Ingram in the fifth. Jakob Pertle in the sixth. John Collins in the seventh. Uh, I think that's Tyus Jones in the eighth, which surprised me that he mm-hmm. was still floating around at that point. Tobias yeah, Harris sure. in the ninth, uh, Denny Avdia in the 10th, and P.J. Washington in the 11th. The way I've done this in the past, and it seems like it's just sort of a logical way to do it, is to kind of start at the top. Um, yeah. Number five, I, I mean, how much can you say about Shea? Getting him at, at five feels like a win. Um, yeah. Like, what what needs to be added there, really? Feels like the easiest pick you had all all day. Yeah, it was auto pick too. I remember uh, because mm. it, it was starting, and I it, it auto picked for me, and I was like, "That's fine. Like that's who I would have taken anyway." <laughs> didn't expect him to be there, and was happy that he was there because then I think if you're drafting at the five or six spots where things get real interesting, like you could probably take. I think I've, I've seen you say this: anyone from five to ten to twelve could you could argue for that at that five spot, so or six spot even. Yeah, I mean. I got no, I got nothing to add either. I love Shea as a early to mid first. Um, he sets you up in a lot of ways, and then you have a lot of choices. I know, uh, uh, like a lot of folks get Shea and then immediately think, "Oh, I got to punt threes," but you don't have to because there's a truckload of them later, um, and you kind of have that option going forward. Um, second round cat that would be. I probably should have set this up by actual numbers. Second round pick eight is number twenty, I believe. Um, that's in okay. Let's talk a little bit about Cat because he was yeah. around like 24, 25 before he got hurt last year. Rudy Gobert, as folks heard on yesterday's podcast on this channel um, from Aaron Bruski, Rudy Gobert is just getting slower by the year right now. Um, do you think Cat can improve on that early season run last season? And frankly, does it even matter? Because if you take him at 20 and he's number 24, that's basically the same thing. Right. It, it was to me like, when I was watching those guys go off the board in the second round and the cat's still there, I'm like, that is for nine cat, like such a safe play. Like he's not going to hurt you anywhere. He's going to help. Even if he does have a similar year to last year and doesn't improve on it a whole lot. Like he's just such an easy, safe play. I mean, obviously health is a huge thing. Like, you know, his last season missing all those games. Um, but you can't totally draft based on that either. You know, assume, assuming he's healthy, like to me, it was just a super safe pick, and I didn't really wasn't in love with like some of the risk that comes along with JJJ or some of these other guys here down their list. But um, yeah, I just was 
yeah, in my mind, I know he's he's fallen over the years, but it's still like, man, this is a guy who at one point was a top five, top ten, nine cap player. Like, why not? Yeah, why not? Uh, your next few picks, I think there's probably more discussion at play. Freddie Van Fleet, uh, 3-5, so that would be pick 29, I believe. Uh, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9. Yeah, I can do this math. Um, a lot of folks are hating on Freddie Van Vliet this year. They think he's going to be doing a whole bunch less in Houston. I'm not sure that I agree with that sentiment. Yeah. And you taking him here in the third feels like you don't agree with that either. Yeah, I mean, I know that they have... I know they are going to have, like, a messy rotation. They have all these young players. But they just paid him all that money. A ton. They're bringing him in, bringing him in to be the stabilizing force for all, around all those guys. So I can't see him... Yeah, I know we loved we loved the minutes when he was in Toronto because you know Nick Nurse played <laughs> yeah. everybody a thousand minutes a night, but uh, Houston, I mean, are they gonna like? Yeah, they're gonna play him 35, 36 minutes a night. He's gonna be out there. He's gonna be a great steals blocks guy for a point guard. You know, you do have to deal with some, you know, field goal percentage stuff, and but like you know, he's a good rebounder for a size for a point guard for a little. You know, he does a lot, man. He's a pretty good nine cap player, and um. I can't see his stats really going down. If anything, if they push the pace in Houston and they play kind of fast, and he's got a lot of guys to pass to, you know, with Jalen Green and uh, obviously like the emerging, you know, Jabari Smith Jr. and all the, those guys could. I don't think they're going to win a lot of real life games, but I think they're going to be a lot of fun for fantasy for sure. Yeah, and getting him at thirty, um, this is a guy that like historically has in his Toronto days hovered in the teens, so that does give you a kind of a little bit of wiggle room on the backside, even if he does slide uh just a tiny bit you went ultra fun with your fourth round pick chet holmgren uh at pick 44 <laughs> you're watching was, me well, do I my math amazed. my math in real time is that fun for you <laughs> yeah you're doing it i mean everybody gets it it's cool you're missing by it whatever you know if you miss it by a pick but i mean i was surprised he was there because you know when you do these industry league mocks and stuff all the industry guys are usually high on some of the same people and um, you know most guys are most guys I follow or read are hugely high on Chet Holmgren, so I was surprised he was still there to be honest, because um, I I've, I've seen him go in the third round in some drafts, late late third round, and so I mean the sky's the limit, right? What can you say about this guy? Look at his the summer league numbers and some of his preseason games and stuff. Like obviously it's not the real thing yet, but he's got such a awesome skill set for fantasy. If he stays healthy, man, he's going to be. You know, other than probably what assists, he's going to be pretty much contributing across the board. Yeah, doesn't he feel um, like? And I, I, the term gets thrown around a little bit now because there are a lot of unicorny type of players. It was Porzingis, right. then it was JJJ. Basically, I think we've de- we've uh, we've just de- we've decided that the unicorn is a big man who can hit threes keep percentages relatively high and also block shots. I think those are right. like, that's the combo. He does feel like he fits that, that unicorny mold a little bit, right? Right. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, we haven't seen, obviously seen him do it consistently yet, but that team's going to be a lot of fun to watch. They're going to push the pace. They're going to be fantasy goodness all around with their, with those guys. Um, <laughs> and they're going to be pretty good. They're going to be actually a pretty good team too. I think, you know, they were pretty good last year. They surprised people. Uh, which would be even better this year with Chet um, and with those guys having another year experience playing together with Jalen Williams emerging. There's another guy who I love in drafts. Yeah, he's he's a lot of fun. Um, the thing about that that unicorn appeal, and then we'll go to to your fifth round pick, 
is that that particular stat set is a very easy one to put up fantasy value with. And if you're if we're defining it as big man who scores a little bit, but maybe doesn't need to be a ton, rebounds okay, but not great, but can also hit the threes, block shots, and have good percentages in both. You got JJJ, Kristaps Porzingis, Miles Turner, and Brooke Lopez all inside the top 22 from last year. Um, mm. And it's not like Brooke Lopez was out there scoring or rebounding very much. These guys, no. they're, they're able to do it by just not hurting you as mm-hmm. a big man. It's a really, it's an right. interesting phenomenon because like you're pairing all these things that are small positives, but just eliminating the big man negatives. And it, you know, you, you can sort of, I don't want to say like fudge your way to a really high rank because it's, it's legitimate, but it's really yeah. easy to be a highly ranked big man when you do that kind of thing. But let's get to your fifth rounder, Brandon Ingram. This is actually the first pick you made where I kind of went, Hmm, are you not worried about his injury stuff and just what happens to him if the Pelicans oh, are yeah. healthy? They're probably never going to be healthy. That's like New Orleans lifestyle. <laughs> but <laughs> what if they were? Yeah. yeah, I mean, I did reach on him a little bit here. I remember him being, as far as being down in the, the standard rankings, another 10 or 12 spots or something. Um, I was in the same spot in the in our staff draft the other day, and I took Zion instead. But he and Zion both, to me, are really obviously the health thing is a huge but i mean the upside is massive right in terms of their skill sets brandon ingram i mean down the stretch last year was just phenomenal as far as it was it was like folks picture this nightmare scenario you're hosting friends for the big game it's neck and neck in the fourth quarter and suddenly you realize you're out of drinks Ooh, say all of your friends You start to sweat. Your friends turn on you. You're forced to go on a last-second drink run and end up missing the game-winning touchdown while in line. Oh, no. Terrifying, isn't it? Luckily, you can avoid the drama with Drizzly, the go-to app for drink delivery. With Drizzly, you can shop a huge selection of beer, wine, and spirits, then get them delivered right to your watch party. Compare prices across multiple stores in your area, find the best deals on game day drinks, and get back to armchair quarterbacking from, you guessed it, your armchair. Download the Drizzly app or go to drizzly.com. That's D-R-I-Z-L-Y dot com today. Must be 21 plus, not available in all locations. Nine assists a game uh, was basically their lead facilitator. Um, Can do everything. Zion is a guy who I was punting. Talk about punt free throw strategies and stuff. I was decided to punt in my other league. I was like, I might as well take Zion, dude. If in a punt free throw league, like <laughs> yeah. he's like a top twenty five value, like, and just pray, you know, keep those knees healthy. But um, I I like both of those guys, Ingram and Zion, a lot in that range. They're risky, but they're just high. You know, depends on how you build your team. I took a couple safe picks in a row. You feel like you have a safe base, and you're like, I want to swing. In the fourth, fifth, sixth round, I want to swing on a high upside guy here. So so that was at 53 uh, at, wait a minute, I can do this, 68 coming back. Thank goodness the last one ended at 60. I was able to do that math a lot faster. Uh, Jakob Pertl, who uh, he is slowly working his way up the board. He opened fantasy draft season in August uh, going in the 90s, which was just like the most amazing thing now you're seeing him go kind of 70s in a lot of spots, but like thinking back, 
uh, Dan, to the end of last year in Toronto, he finished the season putting up top 40 numbers. Is that what you're yeah. hoping to get out of him again here? Yeah, I mean, something close to that at least. Um, he's just such, he's got such a great skill set for fantasy. Obviously, if you if you do punt free throw percentage, which I was talking about with my other league, I have him, I drafted him there too because that's the one thing he'll ding you on a little bit. But um, I'm wondering if he's going to be – I read an article where they talked about maybe using him as a passer more in the high post too because he's a pretty good passer. If he can get up over three, three and a half assists to go with you know 15 and 10 or whatever he's giving you as far as big man stats – steals and blocks i mean he's a pretty solid guy across the board and kind of underrated and uh, all those using san antonio they never really kind of fully unleashed him would you you know would you say is mm-hmm. to let him play 32 minutes or whatever the guy per point per minute is like elite fantasy producer he's really good I, for like dfs guys out there we know like when he's in a good matchup like we we smash that button because the guy can play so He's in the peak of his career. He can play well, and let's, he's going to have opportunity, right, with Van Vliet gone, maybe to help run the offense more. And I just, I think, again, he's real safe in that range. Yeah, I like Pirtle a lot. Um, your next one's a, a kind of a polarizing pick. John Collins in the seventh round. Um, and I don't want to put my own opinion on this one. People actually that have listened to this show know that how I feel about him. And I, the way I'm phrasing it makes it sound like it's like I don't like him. Uh, I want it to be totally neutral. What is your case for John Collins? Because I want to see if it matches or goes against anything that I've said. Probably went a little high on him. I'll be here. I'll be honest. Um, I, I mean, I'm just a sucker for him too, knowing what he's done before and knowing how great of a nine cap player he is in terms of percentages and blocks. And you know, we talk about those unicorn guys. He's he's never really reached that apex in his career where he was like that guy but we 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 saw him put in like top 25 numbers before um when he was actually getting featured and getting not just an afterthought like he was in atlanta the last couple years so i think it's just more of like a reboot thing like is he going to get a fresh look to have a chance to be you know more involved with that younger developing utah team where he was just kind of obviously being shifted out of the things in atlanta so just a really good all-around fantasy player who has a chance to maybe, you know, get back to his old form. Yeah, I, so that actually does match a lot of what I've said. Um, I do agree with you. You probably went earlier than you had to here because he's typically not going until closer to 95-100. But uh, the year you're talking about was the the OG COVID season, 2019-2020. I think he got suspended that year. or Yeah, um, started out the year on... He was going buck freaking wild that season he was number seven over 41 ball game so it wasn't like a small sample size thing either and i get it he's not gonna get 15 shots uh and have that kind of feature role in utah but what you said about his time in atlanta is spot on he had been fully marginalized he knew they were trying to get rid of him and so he was like out there in spirit on the court but his heart wasn't in it and it was a bad fit by the end. Like the the rebounding numbers, just you could tell like the effort. Like he doesn't care about padding, you know, his rebound. He's down to like four boards a game and stuff. And like if he's going hard and cares about the team and winning, like in thirty minutes, like there's no reason that guy shouldn't put up fourteen and and eight with a three and a block and a steal. You know, like that's just his baseline. Like he's that player if he's 
cares and if the team's going to give him minutes, you know? Yeah, absolutely. We're not expecting him to be a first-rounder in Utah, but you right. know, the outside 100 guy that he was at the tail end in Atlanta is also, you're kind of like, everybody's got this really sour taste in their mouth with him. That's the most recent thing, but the bulk of his career... He's not an old guy yet. He's still pretty darn young. Twenty six like, or something. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a. It's not an athleticism issue. It was a fit issue. They didn't want him there. I don't know why they still played him as much as they did. But by the very end, yeah. they were finally like, okay, it's Sadiq Bey's turn now. Uh, and that was also interesting. Uh, Tyus Jones, <laughs> mid eighth. I I love him here. I think you got him at a really nice price. I. Everybody's heard me talk about Tyus Jones as a a, a possible uh, big time winner, and then to get him. He's going in the 70s in a lot of drafts now, and you got him here in the early 90s. That feels like a steal to me. What do you think? I'm going to ask your opinion. What do sure. you think he finishes assists per game? Like six mm. or eight? More between six and eight? Are yeah. yeah. Closer to six, closer to eight. Like, um, I'd probably go high sixes would be my guess. Um, with Jordan Poole likely to take over at Tyne Kuzma as well. Yeah. You know, those guys are going to be handling the ball, but... Just by being the guy who initiates an offense with two guys who want to chuck, you're going to sort of yeah. fall into five and a half to six assists a game. And then he's just good. A he's a good passer, right? Yeah, he's a good basketball player. Um, a lot of yeah. folks are worried about the Wizards in shutdown mode. I'm not because I play mostly Roto. Um, and also for head-to-head, you just end your season three weeks early. And <laughs> the, that's the, I mean, that's the only solution to or head-to-head right now. Or you build them up and trade them. There's a whole, yeah. there's a whole, you know, <laughs> also there's a whole that. school of thought too there, yeah, where you just invest in, you know, you trade them off by middle of the year or whatever, so. Yep, uh, I love it. I don't know that there's a whole lot more to add on that one. The risk is why he's going where he is. It's not, I don't, I don't think anybody's afraid of his per-game potential. I think most folks are just afraid that, He's going to miss the last dozen games, so organize your league so that won't matter. Ta-da! Uh, you went old right into my heart with your ninth rounder, Tobias Harris, the former logo of the Dan Bespris old man squad. Wow. He's been, I think, replaced by Vooch this <laughs> over the last couple of years. Vooch. Vooch, the new logo of the old man squad. But Tobias Harris may have a seat back at the old man table again if James Harden moves, right? Right, right. I mean, that's the that's the. I mean, here, at this late, you're not really taking a gamble, gamble. But like, worst case scenario, and he's just the fourth option again, and he just quietly puts up real usable numbers across the board. In fact, I think his field goal percentage just continuing to go goes up the less he's used. The less yeah. Usage just goes. You know what I mean? So, okay, he's only giving you 12 points a night, but he's doing it on 51 percent shooting, and he's still giving you over a, a three and a half and. Um, you know, a block, a couple, half a block and a steal here. Like, he's perfectly great end-of-the-year bench guy. If, if worst-case scenario, he's uh, Harden stays. If Harden leaves, then, hey, man, maybe maybe you got a great value there. Yeah, I love Tobias Harris. I've had a soft spot for him for half a decade now, and for almost every one of those years, he was getting dramatically underdrafted. Last year was the only season I didn't draft him anywhere. Um, it did look like he was going to get pushed to the periphery the end of the previous season when Harden really got kind of worked into the mix. Um, but that's beautiful. You just want to stay one step ahead with stuff like this. And I think everybody's forgotten that, like, for Tobias, who's a great percentages guy, all he really needs to put up is, like, 15 and 6 in the yeah. points and rebounds. And you've got a top 75 uh, roto-type player. 
Uh, last two rounds in, uh, or for this draft, but 10th, 11th round, this is sort of like start to take some shots, flyer re- uh, region. You ended up with Denny Avdia and PJ Washington. Um, let's start with those two guys. What were your thoughts on those two picks? And I'll lump them together because I do feel like this sure. is just a range where all of these guys are, well, let's take some shots. Let's see what happens. How did you land on these two? Well, I mean, this is before the uh, Mikhail Bridges news. So I didn't even know. My, Miles, know, Miles Bridges. I'm sorry, Miles Bridges. <laughs> Mikhail is fine, everyone. Mikhail's good, guys. He's fine. <laughs> Take him second round. Uh, yeah. The Miles Bridges stuff, which obviously could put him into jeopardy and really put Washington back into a whole bunch of minutes. And um, But I like his game. I, when I was breaking down some stuff for some content I was doing, I was looking at guys that were center eligible and power forward eligible that, that can do certain things. And he's one of those – Kind of, I mean, he's never really real, totally realized his potential, but he is one of those kind of unicorn guys, man, who can step out. I think he hit two threes a game last year. His field goal uh, percentage suffered because he was chucking so much, but like two threes a game, boards, blocks, steals. Like, I mean, that, that late in the draft, I, I love taking a shot on him, a guy like him. Who knows what happens with Charlotte with like a, some trades and rebuild stuff this year. We'll see. And then Denny's just a guy who I. I had I, I think I must have picked him up and dropped him half a different times in cross leagues <laughs> yeah. last year because he would go on these tears, right? He was going on these runs when they were all banged up. And then all of a sudden they were healthy and he was like pushed to the back again. But by the end of the year, he was getting his chance to play and the dude can play. He can put up numbers. Like like I don't know what his role is gonna be. I don't I wish Washington would give him an actual shot at being a, a starter or at least a sixth man of twenty five minutes a night, you know, twenty eight minutes a night, but I guess we'll find out. I don't know. Like he's he's got a great fantasy skill set in terms of what he can do out there. So it's just a matter of opportunity. So one thing I realized I screwed up, at least for folks on the YouTube side, and we're talking to Thunder Dan DFS is the Twitter handle. Thunder Dan Palio is the actual name. Uh, is I should have tried to stretch or de-stretch this picture so you could see the guys going all the way to the end on either side of you. I'll fix that for for future shows. Um, but some folks call them sleepers. I think perhaps that's a term that's out of date because no one that's overused. like... Overused. Yeah, yeah, overused. And anybody that's paying close attention right now, there's no one that's like asleep. We know who these players are. It's a term that still gets used, I think, for folks that are maybe a little bit less intense about their love of fantasy sports and are dropping in like, who's the guy I should grab? More accurate term would be late round targets. Um, Dan, who else piques your interest that's generally going maybe say like after 100 or somebody in this draft. And I'm going to see if I can rearrange the board here so folks can see it. Um, but guys, yeah. they kind of went like after maybe the final three rounds or something to that end. Does that, I don't know. Let me see what I can pull up on the board here and see. Yeah, if that's cool. I was us. looking, I was going to say right before me, right before I took PJ Washington, the person before me took Paul Reed, who's a, a great guy to target there too. When you talk about the Sixers and, what's going to go on there. Um, the fact that they've been talking about playing him at the four a little bit next to Embiid and trying to get him like more time on the court. Like obviously everybody who's a small ball, Paul fans is excited about <laughs> him being unleashed because he's shown per minute, like some awesome, you know, look at his per 36 stats and they're like killer. Like he's, he's amazing, but obviously he's never going to get starters minutes, but if he gets a significant role, I mean, he's going to be, a guy you can have on your team in even like 10 and 12 team leagues, you know, is going to be putting up usable stats. So I like him a lot. 
Um, boy, I'm trying to look through here. There's we just finished Paul. our staff our staff slow draft yesterday. I'm trying to think who I took late. I took Keegan Murray. I think he's a little bit earlier, more like a ninth or tenth round. I'm big on Keegan again. How do you feel about Keegan? Yeah, I mean, he's also kind of a roto-friendly guy, actually. Um, I thought he was getting maybe a little too much hype as a rookie, but that's perfect because sophomore is a great time to dive in on guys like that. He finished at around 116 per game last year. Um, better than that, the second half of the season, like a 90s range guy. So any step forward for him, and he really gets into nice fantasy value. And even if he doesn't really do anything different, he still is a nice, late, uh, safe floor yeah. and actually almost makes more sense on the head-to-head side where you're like crap i got some risks early i gotta make sure i got somebody who's just gonna play like high 70s in games and not ruin my percentages and give me a little bit in a bunch of spots um you gotta like a guy that's got a floor of like 120 and then if things break his way moves into that 80s 70s range kind of spot i'm i'm a big fan of that I, I like your paul reed called too actually and i was right. trying to find keegan in this draft so that I could put his face on the board, but I, oh, that's cool. Where'd he go? Yeah, Keegan. Where is he I, in here? I remember being high on him with, with Zach and a couple of our other guys. Uh, Alex Burns, like we're all big on him last year. There he is. And then this year I'm like, you guys can't go away. Like he, he didn't get really the opportunity yet. Like they really didn't trust him to shoot the ball much and they didn't really feature him much. I mean, if his volume goes up even five, ten percent in terms of how much he shoots and how much usage he gets, and he keeps the same percentages, he's going to take a 20 or 30 spot jump, right? I mean, he's he's he 12 and 5 last year, right? Which doesn't sound a doesn't sound special, but 46% shooting, right? Like almost a steal over half a block. I mean, the guy can he's like like a Tobias Harris, Tobias Harris type, like you talked about Tobias, like any kind of jump in volume and he's going to shoot up the board yeah and i would expect his free throw not that it mattered because he took one a game last year but 77 percent a guy that shoots this well that's a number i think you can safely assume will slowly crawl up um field goal percent i don't know if that moves much because his shot profile is pretty threes a heavy at least in that king's offense but yeah he's not hurting you really in field goal percent while giving you that nice dose of threes um, I'm into it. It looks like he actually went. I finally found him. Jesse took him um, back in the eighth round, actually. So he went uh, relatively early Pretty in this high. one. Yeah, I think that's what, 80, yeah. 87, if I'm doing that math right. See, I'm getting better at this the fast math on <laughs> today's show. Um, Thunder Dan, I think you're officially off the hot seat. I told you I'd have you in and out in a half an hour, and it's 29 minutes and 55 seconds of show. Look at that. That's look, We're good. I mean, I... I Give us the credit for that. Yeah, it was all us. What's the best no first? What's the best first name on earth? Is another question. It's I easily. I'm assume you're Daniel. Full name Daniel. <laughs> yeah, because Daniel, yes, is the name. Yeah. Uh, Gavin watching says, "Hey Dan and Dan." I thought I'd throw that up there as just like a point here. Um, can we address? We got one question. Uh, Dem Birds. This is a, a sort of a long time watcher. He's he's a little more down on mm. uh, John Collins. Is there? The question here, I'll read the the remark, and then we can reply to it. Utah doesn't have any facilitators, which Collins 100% needs to generate offense. That and Kessler is going to dominate the glass. Just can't get there on JC, especially not that high. Um, Hmm. Maybe my question should have been, uh, what if it was a little bit later? And I I suppose, yeah, but I, I also think, at least my answer to that is Utah, if we watched them last year, Mike Conley was a big part of getting them into the right spots, but they also were just so 
uh, high octane on offense that mm-hmm. it kind of matters a little bit less. Would you agree with that? By yeah, that I he, mean, go ahead. He uh, I, he has a really good point about the facilitator. He really isn't is a guy that needs to, you know, be in the pick and roll and have someone find him. He's not doesn't create his own shot all that much, but. Uh, just he's just gonna like you said the the pace of that team and the high octane offense is just gonna generate more possessions more off more rebound opportunities more shot opportunities I think the overall kind of up tempo pace at which they're gonna play and being playing around other good players with like Laurie and and Kessler and that um, that it's he is just gonna fall into I mean he's gonna fall into fourteen and six or. 14 and seven if he if he gets the minutes now if they trim his minutes back and he becomes a 25 minute player again then you know obviously it's it's kind of a bust situation uh but it sounds like they want to they want to try the whole kind of big lineup with him playing playing the three a little bit or Lori playing the three and him playing the four and that's a unique that's a unique way to play i mean it gives a lot of teams trouble when you play that big we saw that with the Cavs when they first started doing it um and so I don't know. Yeah, I, and it's I, not that different than what Utah did last year with Olinick at the four yeah, and Kessler right. at the five. So they've they've kind of gone big before Olinick maybe a little bit of a better ball mover than John Collins. So that's I guess a reason to worry that his minutes get capped. But again, if you take him, yeah, I agree. You probably went a little early on him here. But if you're getting him in the nineties, early one hundreds, that's a pick that works out uh, not that often for fantasy teams anyway. Like Anyways, people drop yeah, yeah. their 10th rounder, ninth, 10th rounder. Those guys get dropped all the time. So you sure. might as well hunt the guy that has been a first rounder for half a season before and just say, all right, if he like gets even a, a sad little facsimile of what he was four years ago, then uh, you call it a win and uh, you flip your rifle through your hand of cash on the way to the bank. <laughs> um, okay, I'm officially now uh, letting you get out of here. Thunder Dan Palio at Thunder Dan DFS on Twitter. Go check out all of his stuff. He is also the former FSWA Writer of the Year. That was two years ago, right? Yeah. Yeah. Look at this guy. Where's the trophy? That thing needs to be in. I have it right here. There we go. Yeah, get that thing on the screen. Look at this guy. Love this dude. <laughs> Thunder Dan, thank you so much, my dude. Uh, Thanks, you enjoy the rest of your day, and uh, let's do this again midseason, yeah? Yeah, sounds good. Cut me in. I know. I got to get more guests on this thing. Thank you to Thunder Dan. I'll send him off. He can actually have the rest of his day. I know. By the way, you guys should all know, and Dan probably wouldn't want to give you credit or give himself credit for this, but he has like a 50-minute window in the middle of his very busy day, and he was like, yeah, we can squeeze in a podcast. So... This guy's the best. Uh, let's just go back to my ugly mug for a second here while we start to wrap things up on the show. I do want to give a shout out to our buddies at manscaped.com. And I did finally remember to get the handyman on my desk with me so you guys can see it. It's a little close to the light, I guess, there. This is the size of it. I want you guys to know I have childlike hands. These are very small hands. And this thing is still this size. This is an actual face razor. It's not a sideburn trimmer. There, I took the top off. It's magnetized. That's sweet. Uh, I do my neck with it. This is for the face. Manscaped has expanded their offering now. It's not just, you know, the dirty nethers. Um, Ethos20, by the way, the promo code. Get 20% off and free shipping on your order over at manscaped.com. Ethos20 for 20% off your order uh, and free shipping over at manscaped.com. Again, a big, massive thank you to Thunder Dan DFS. Go check him out on the socials. 
I am at Dan Vespers on Twitter. Like, rate, subscribe on your way out. Later on today, we'll try to get you a mock draft going uh, here on the YouTube channel and on the podcast channels. That'll depend on how um, child care shakes out for the rest of my day. But either way, we'll talk to you guys soon. So long for now.